Vegas takes over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marshall still fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marshall. Four to two Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... And it's another week, and I've got a special guest as my co-host for hour number one. It is none other than TV analyst Shane Knighty joining us. Hey, Shane, how has the offseason treated you so far? It's been good so far. Uh, You know, it's nice to be back into some hockey talk this week with the expansion draft, the amateur draft, everything coming up. Uh, But it is a good time. Uh, Usually I like to step away from the game uh, as much as I can because it's a, it's a short off season this year, which is a good thing uh, if you're a team that's going a long way in playoffs. You know, for the Golden Knights, it's a team that has, has made a habit of going deep in the playoffs. So, you know, this year when you kind of break down the numbers, I think it was 75 total games that Vegas played from uh, from January to uh, to when their season ended in, in late June. So, you know, you, you go, it's a grind, and this year – especially felt like a grind with with this truncated 56 game schedule and then the playoffs the golden knights going as deep as they went so as you mentioned you got to recharge and and refill the batteries because before we know it september october is going to be here and the golden knights are going to be going into season number five yeah and uh, with some more motivation yeah when you don't uh, accomplish that ultimate goal so certainly as you said uh you know, a very taxing season, unlike anything they'd had. A little taste of it in the bubble, but that was really shortened to do it uh, the way they did this year. The travel, the restrictions, the testing, the the everything that went into it uh, takes a toll not only physically but mentally on, on players. And I think, you know, that's more what the offseason becomes is, is a mental break. Uh, for athletes to get away from the game. And then, you know, now for the Golden Lights, the majority of them will be right back in it here right away into their training, getting themselves ready physically, depending on, you know, if there's injuries or some healing time they needed. Um, but usually as you get a little deeper, certainly closer to August, guys will be back uh, full force ready to kind of focus on making sure they're ready and top peak condition both mentally and physically come training camp in September. We're going to get to some of the big news coming out of the weekend that pertains to the Golden Knights with trades. But uh, before we get into that, I, I do want to kind of pick your brain here just a little bit in terms of this offseason and also how the season ended for the Golden Knights. Let's start there and kind of your assessment as you've gotten a little bit of time and distance from how the season ended in Game 6 of the Stanley Cup semifinals to the Montreal Canadiens. How do you kind of chalk up or, or explain the end of the Golden the night season i don't know i can i don't have an explanation for it i think anytime you fall short of that goal it's certainly disappointment and even more so when you you look at the the makeup of this team the success they had in the regular season and you know it really speaks to to the volume of how it is a different difference you know you you play the regular season it's a grind a normal 82 game i know it wasn't that this year uh but that's just to get to the dance and then once you're there it's it's it turns up 
it, it's it's another level of play, and I think, you know, we maybe saw that uh, certainly from the Tampa Bay Lightning what it takes, not only talent-wise, but, you know, team-wise, the way they played, the relentless, you know, ability, understanding how hard it is to win and how you really need to take advantage of those moments, that moment in general. It's it's a... It is a sprint to the final, and it's it's a grind. It's, you know, every second day you're going. They did it all year, and then to do it again in playoffs. So I think the Golden Knights, it's disappointment, but you, you certainly, you know, you, you hang your head. It hurts for a while. You use it as motivation, and you learn from it. Uh, I, you know, I was shocked. I thought, I think they should have beat Montreal. They didn't, and that's credit to the Canadians, the way they played. Uh, they executed their game plan better, and they were able to get to the final. Uh, so for Vegas, the, they learned from it, uh, both individually and as a team. Uh, you know, guys look at themselves, what they could have done, uh, and hopefully next time they get to that situation, uh, they understand that you need to be in that moment and that it doesn't come, you know, every year, although the Golden Knights have been in the final four, what, three out of four years in the final <laughs> yeah. once. But uh, <laughs> for normal teams, it, it's tough to get there, and it's tough for players even – you know, in a short span of years or even in a career to to get to those moments. And that's where you really, really need to recognize where you're at, how hard it is to get to that point, how hard it is to even get further uh, and get to that final goal of hoisting the cup. Yeah, and it's interesting because you look at the Golden Knights and and really how well they played throughout the majority of the year uh, this past season. And then that that series against the Colorado Avalanche where I I think that that so much good was accomplished in terms of being able to shut down an opponent that, that does that's really good offensively and get to a game plan, execute that game plan to to, you know, to to great results like. I loved what the Golden Knights were able to accomplish in that series against Colorado. And I look at it as just one of those series that takes everything out of you. And in order to get there, you've got to do that four times. You do. And that's exactly it. How hard. And, and you know, without question, that was, you know, a massive, a massive goal for them to get by the Colorado Avalanche. They heard about it all season long. It was talked. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a good start to the series. They get embarrassed. Uh, and then able to come back and take complete control. And, you know, certainly that takes something out of you. Uh, th- that said, you, that, that's not the end of it. You look at any team, you have to have that ability. And that's what I'm talking about when you get to that point of the season, recognizing the ability to turn it around. And you hear it all the time. You, you move on quickly, whether it's a win or a loss you know, game to game. It has to be the same concept from a series, that ability to regroup, to recharge and be ready. And uh, that's where I was, you know, I was talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning. It wasn't an easy path. You look at the Islanders series, but their ability to come back from that and go, you know, a lot said maybe Montreal got worn out with what they did to Vegas. Well, Tampa had hard series after hard series, but their ability to bounce right back, I think really showed, you know, kind of that, learning they went through to get there and how many how much you know how many obstacles they went over in the previous years of getting so close getting so close um and then you know finally win and then win again understanding you know how hard it is and what it takes uh they they really to me uh were impressive this year their their win they they looked like uh there was no one that was going to get by them they played like that each and every night uh their ability to stick to their game plan to win different ways. It wasn't always with the you know powered offense. 
the goaltending certainly a huge factor, but you know, you'll even look at game seven against the Islanders, their ability to win at one nothing to have everybody involved. Like th- there's not a guy in that lineup. You look up and down for the Tampa Bay lightnings did not have an impact on them winning the Stanley cup. You know, and it's interesting because we can pause here for a minute on Tampa Bay, just in terms of, of how much different they, they might look next season because uh, they've already traded uh, Barclay Goodrow to the New York Rangers, who are, are trying to negotiate out, negotiate a new contract with Barclay Goodrow. But there will be change. It will look different in Tampa. But given how much this team has accomplished in the last two years and just how good they are, especially from the net out, uh, do you do you envision that as a team, even with what they're going to lose this offseason, as, as one of the favorites next year for the Stanley Cup? They're going to lose a lot, but I still think uh, they'll be a team to be certainly reckoned with out in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they have a winning pedigree, um, and a lot of time that flows through the teams, and you, and you look at you know, guys that have stepped up for them over the years when they were really good that have come in and, and saw this winning, you know, like, and, and role guys like Yanni Gord, Sorelli. You know, I'm not talking the Stamkos, the Kucherov, the Hedman. Uh, you know, Matthew Joseph came in when Kalorn came out of the lineup. Uh, was it uh, who, the Colton that I'd never heard of before comes in and, and, and <laughs> plays a role? Like, they seem to find these guys – they just, you know, they're able to grow in their organization. And that, to me, speaks, you know, of a, uh, an organization that's been good for a long time, that has a winning pedigree, and that filters through that organization. It seeps through that attitude, that willingness, and what it takes. And I, and for that reason alone, I think it's going to, you know, they're certainly going to take some hard hits. They're not going to be the team they were this past two years, but uh, they could turn it around quickly. Um, you know, I think they got, you know, the number one goalie in the world in Vasilevsky right now. He certainly, the way he's been playing and proved it, had been continually is, you know, up in Norris talk. If he's not winning it, he's in the conversation. Uh, you know, Kucherov, what he did in playoffs, Braden Point, I still think he's, you know, could argue him or Kucherov as their, their top players. And let's not forget about Stamkos. So they're going to have those key guys, and then they're going to, They'll sprinkle it around. They'll be able to find, uh, you know, a guy like Barkley Goodrow's a big loss for them. And, you know, people may yeah. say, well, what, what are you talking about? Well, you know, you think of that block he had on Shea Weber in the winning game. Like, guys willing to do that. Blake Coleman would be a big loss for them. Those are those key guys, those acquisitions they made in the previous year, that's what they were missing. You, you, you've got to have those different roles and determine what is needed for your team. And, and I think they were able to address that, you know, after that tough loss to, you know, to uh, Columbus before they won these two Stanley Cups. So they, they filled roles that were needed with important pieces of their team. Yeah, and just going back to that, like in terms of addressing that loss to Columbus and not overreacting, Julian Brisebois, general manager, going out and recognizing what pieces he, he needed to add or, or how to supplement the core that was already there. Uh, how, how much importance is it there that Julian Brisebois didn't, overreact to that sweep by the Columbus Blue Jackets and in turn gave his stars everything they needed, every resource they needed to go out and win a couple of Stanley Cups. Well, exactly. And I think, you know, and Breezeball has done a good job. I think, you know, a lot of this team was Steve Eiserman's, you know, yeah. fingerprints all over it. Um, but certainly, I think that's, that's where, you know, it's a tough position to be in when you're in that, you know, management, even a coaching uh you know, part for an organization, for a team, and, you know, really understanding your team and having that, 
that strength and that discipline not to overreact um, because you got to have a belief in them. Uh, you know, that's something, you know, even uh, us in the media or fans, you know, it's tear it apart, change everything. You, mm-hmm. you, you can't get to that point. And, you know, that's a great example. I think the Golden Knights, are, you know, they're right there. They're on the cusp. They've got a real good team. But they're, but as, as good as they are, there's, you know, 10 others that everybody considers contenders at the start of the year. So it is tough to get to that point, but it really is recognizing those certain needs you need and, and you make the, the proper adjustments uh, to make it happen. Breezeball was able to do that. And certainly uh, as we're on this station and we're talking in Las Vegas, Golden Knights fans hope that that's what Kelly McCrimmon uh, will be able to do. And he's made a couple of steps towards that uh, over the last few days. Yeah, and it leads us right into what the Golden Knights were able to do over the weekend before the roster freeze for the expansion draft set into place. So the first trade that we're going to get into is Nolan Patrick becoming a Vegas Golden Knight. Here's the avenue to how that happened. The Philadelphia Flyers acquired defenseman Ryan Ellis. They sent to Nashville Philip Myers and Nolan Patrick. Then the Golden Knights traded Cody Glass to Nashville for Nolan Patrick. So the Predators wind up with Philip Myers and Cody Glass. The Golden Knights get Nolan Patrick and Philadelphia gets Ryan Ellis. So on a big macro view of this trade, all three teams involved, it it looks like all three teams get pieces that they need or they could use in in order in, in their stage of their development within their organization. That's one of those trades, when I look at it, at least from my point of view and in my opinion, that it worked out for every team. I think it's a great trade for the Golden Knights. And, you know, I know everybody says, well, the first three picks from their first draft now are gone. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Suzuki, Brandstrom, and now Cody Glass. But what Suzuki and Brandstrom helped bring in Stone and Pacioretty. And now Cody Glass they used to acquire Nolan Patrick, who was the second overall pick in that same draft, so obviously projected mm-hmm. a lot higher. Uh, and actually, a lot of the conversation was him possibly being the number one pick in that year, uh, a player that I think changes scenery. And I, you know, I've had I've been fortunate enough to know some people in the Philadelphia uh, around that organization, and some of them think this was a huge mistake by the Flyers. They think this guy, you know, you don't want to give up on him. He's just shy of 200 games in the NHL already. He's just 22 years old. He's got he's six two, 200 pounds. His first two years, you think about it, as a young player when he was healthy and just in the league, you know, 30 and then 31 points, 13 goals both those years. You have to believe this can be a 20, you know, 20 goal score uh, as he matures, as he gets older, and he plays the center position uh, very. Very savvy. I'm fortunate to get inside because I know, well, I know his uncle and his dad. Being a, they're from Manitoba, where I'm from, and uh, you know the reports when he was young, he's one of those kids who could watch a game at you know eight nine years old and point it out. Really had a head for the game, understanding hockey IQ as we call it. Um, so you know he's always been touted, always been the best player, and I think there comes a little motivation when you get traded. So I like that trade for the Golden Knights. Um, you know, and on the Cody Glass run, I think Cody Glass is a great kid, fantastic mm-hmm. kid. I think he's really skilled. And now this is, in my opinion, why I really believe sometimes it's not always about business, and I I'm, don't know whether it is or not, but I believe this will be good for Cody Glass for him to have opportunity for success, and this is why. I believe that, you know, had he stayed with Vegas, there's always going to be something over his head, and that is the Nick Suzuki. There's that mm-hmm. comparing to Nick Suzuki – and every player develops on a different curve. Suzuki's taken off. He was arguably their best player against Vegas in that round with Montreal. He's going to be 
a, a great player, the number one center for the Montreal Canadiens. And Cody Glass being in Vegas would have that compared to him his whole career, regardless of what he did or until he finally. And that is a tough thing for a young man to carry. It really is. So I think this gives him opportunity to maybe find his game a little bit quicker and a little more successfully moving into a new place. Nashville, there's going to be no comparison. Nobody knows who Nick Suzuki is there. They're not going to talk about it. So I think that's, you know, that part of the trade. I think the Golden Knights get a, a player in Nolan Patrick that I, I don't think you otherwise get. Uh, they didn't have to protect him. That was the difference. Cody Glass, Nashville gets him. They didn't have to uh, for the expansion rules. And they get a real quality player that's getting a fresh start. So I like it when young players have the opportunity, young skilled players uh, that can have the opportunity without a heavyweight early in their career to find some success in the National Hockey League. Now, on Nolan Patrick, because as as you go number two overall, there are expectations that are placed upon you, especially for the team that when you play for the team that drafted you in the same way that kind of yeah. maybe moving from from Vegas to Nashville opens things up and allows Cody Glass to just go out and play. Can't the, say, the same be said for Nolan Patrick now that he's with the Golden Knights, a new organization that didn't draft him number two overall. He just kind of is is able to go out and play his game. Oh, 100%. I think it... Uh... Uh, you know, a lot of times, even for veteran players, a move is sometimes a breath of fresh air and, uh, you know, able to revive and move on. I, no better example than, you know, Alec Martinez. Not that he didn't have a great career with the LA Kings, two Stanley Cubs, game-winning goal, you know, on and on, but kind of dipped, came to the Golden Knights, and, you know, it was a bit of a resurgence in his career. Same thing, Marc-Andre Fleury. So it happens at all stages, but I think it's really important for young players and, and if they can take advantage of it. What you look for... As a, as a player at any stage, is opportunity, elevated opportunity. And I think both these players are getting it. Now it's on them to, to do the best they can with it. And, uh, you know, I think Nolan Patrick's certainly a lot more experienced than Cody Glass. He's been in the league. He understands the league. He's gone through the ups and downs. Uh, you know, he missed a full season, uh, came back. From what I'd heard, his camp before this past season, he was arguably the best player for the Philadelphia Flyers. They thought he was really going to take off, but things didn't go his way. So uh, I think that brings motivation. He said that today when he was talking. He's really motivated. This is his first kind of full off season to train. Uh, I expect him to come in and be, be very, very good for the Golden Knights. Now, just in terms of, of you, where you see his fit best, like, we, we look at the Golden Knights <laughs> – we often talk about center depth, right? Like this is a team that, that you look at and you say, and, and some of the, the sexy names out there are, are Jack Eichel, right? A true number one elite center. But for the Golden Knights, they have always been able to get a lot out of the players that have lined up down the middle. You look at Chandler Stevenson, you look at William Carlson. Uh, where do you envision Nolan Patrick's best fit with this club? I honestly don't know until I see him. Uh, I have yeah. to see where he plays, and, you know, I'm not going to slot him into anywhere because, you know, a lot of those lines worked as is. But that said, you know, this the, the you know management looks to make their team better every year, and I think Nolan Patrick gives them depth. What it does is it brings internal competition, which I always think benefits a team when you can have guys competing for spots, um, and, and it forces them to be ready. I think Nolan Patrick – He's certainly, you know, I've heard people say, well, there's our third-line center. I think he has the ability to be a top-two uh, center, but he, this is a 22-year-old that's still developing in his career, and I think this is going to be a huge year for him where he can take his game to. 
And, you know, that's why training camp, preseason, uh, well, in normal years, it's been a while since it seems like since we've had one. <laughs> but that allows you to, to kind of gauge and to, to, to look at these guys and start, you know, fiddling with those lines and how you'd like them to look. And you can try different things. It gives, uh, you know, the coaching staff some flexibility and, and ability to really evaluate their team. And I think this uh, is just another piece that gives them a lot stronger evaluation of how they'll set their lines. So Nolan Patrick, now a member of the Vegas Golden Knights, Cody Glass off to the Nashville Predators. And that wasn't all Kelly McCrimmon did over the weekend. There was another trade, the New York Rangers getting Nick DeSimone and a 2022 fourth round pick in exchange for Brett Howden. So Brett Howden, what do you what do you know about this player and, and, and how, again, we, we look at another center coming in, big, strong kid. What are you expecting out of Brett Howden in terms of, of his trend with the Golden Knights? I think this is a guy that's going to really, you know, fill in, you know, that bottom six. He's going to compete with a lot of others. Um, mm-hmm. They had high hopes for him in Tampa. Again, another one, you know, 27th overall pick by Tampa back in 2016. So first rounder, uh, as you mentioned, a big kid, smart hockey player. Uh, I think he has some bite to his game. He's got size. Uh, he really took off for the first little bit with the New York Rangers in his first two years. You know, he played kind of those bottom six roles, still able to put up numbers at a young age, just 23 still. Uh, kind of kind of like Noel Patrick, an off season last year. But, you know, the previous year, he, the 19-20 season, 70 games, nine goals, 10 assists, 19 points. You think of that as a, you know, fourth liner. Does he have, is there more offensive ceiling there? They could move to th- third line. That's certainly really good fourth line numbers. Um, but a responsible player, I think penalty kill, um, you know, understands both sides of the ice. He put up big numbers in junior, but uh, uh, a real quality kid. Uh, yeah. I'm fortunate that they, you know, another Manitoba kid where I'm from, so I, I get a lot of insight uh, on these guys. And I knew his brother, Quentin Howden, who played with the Winnipeg Jets for a little bit. Um, so a real quality family, but, uh, you know, guys that have work ethic that uh, – uh, can come in and I think he, he's I think this was a really good kind of quiet pickup for the Golden Knights that adds to that that bottom depth and uh, again on him another opportunity for for him to come in and, and play that type of game but uh, I think he's a guy that could be a real kind of shutdown maybe possible third line uh, against can play against other teams top as he develops he has that type of defensive awareness to his game and then there's some offense so um, you know, how he continues to develop will be the key, much like uh, it is with all those young players that uh, come in. And the the thing that I think is most interesting about Nolan Patrick and Brett Howden is you've got two young guys, 22, 23 years old, under team control. And for a team like the Golden Knights that are, are spending to the cap and trying to maximize exactly what they can, you need younger players at lower cap hits to come in and really pay dividends and make an impact. And I think that, you know, if you are able to hit on both of these guys, if, if you're Kelly McCrimmon, it just makes your team that much deeper. It certainly does. I think that's uh, it's an important factor is to be able to have, you know, guys that can come in that, uh, you know, are young and not carrying those heavy salaries that that that's what carries the team over the top. Because certainly now in a flat cap world, you can only spend so much on those guys that, uh, you know, have earned it in their careers and, and are at a certain price point. And uh, the ability to bring in young guys that uh, can be a, be difference makers on your team, you know, at a, uh, at a lower salary is a huge difference, and that that's what you know completes your team. So uh, I like these two moves, I really do. 
Um, now it's just uh, on them to come here and prove themselves. So it, it'll be exciting to see them come camp and what they can uh, do and where they'll fit into this lineup, uh, which, you know, and what will it look like? I still think uh, there, there's lots ahead here with uh, what's going on <laughs> this week. It's uh, it's kind of an intriguing, exciting week uh, from our standpoint. It, it's a lot easier now that I'm not a player. It's probably not as easy for them. Uh, but... Uh, uh, to sit on the outside and kind of watch what's going to be constructed, if anything, uh, there could be nothing. Um, but you never know. There, you know, every team's trying to improve and trying to make their team better the best way they can. Now, in terms of the Golden Knights, a couple of unrestricted free agents. You've got Tomas Nosek and you've got Matias Janmark and, of course, Alec Martinez. Those are kind of the big names there for the Golden Knights. In terms of these two trades that Kelly McCrimmon made over the weekend, do you, en- do you envision that impacting um, the decisions that you'd make on your UFAs? Or, or do you think that this is just simply an opportunity for Kelly McCrimmon to make this team better? And then we'll see what happens the rest of the week and where those conversations go from there. I think that's exactly it. They had an opportunity to, to get these players. Uh, you know, there's, there's so many conversations. Uh, I can't imagine the phone lines between the GMs, uh, you know, before <laughs> that roster freeze that was going on, uh, and, you know, certainly with an expansion draft. And I think Kelly McCrimmon said it was like, you know, the first of two trade deadline or another trade deadline, the way it happened. Um, and if something comes up in those conversations that works that you think makes your team better, that's, that's what you do. And that's where the focus is right now for the, for, for the teams is, you know, they're not really looking at their UFAs right now. Uh, they will start to here, but uh, certainly they looked, you know, Seattle coming to the league and then the amateur draft. Uh, and, and, you know, conversations are always happening. Um, but, you know, in regards to Yanmark, Nosek and Martinez, we'll, we'll wait and see. Uh, uh, what happens there is, you know, wh- whether the Golden Knights are in conversations or, or waiting to talk to them uh, as the summer moves along. A packed show that we have today. We are going to get into some of the big names that were left unprotected going into the expansion draft for the Seattle Kraken when we come back with Shane Knighty right here on the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Moving right along here, Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Ryan Wallace, special guest co-host for hour number one, Shane Knighty, joining me. We discussed the Golden Knights' busy weekend in trading for Nolan Patrick and Brett Howden. Cody Glass goes to the Nashville Predators in a three-team trade in which the you, you look at the Philadelphia Flyers, and yes, they move players, but they get Ryan Ellis. Like Before we get into some of the names left unprotected, what do you think of Ryan Ellis to Philadelphia, Shane? Well, I think the Philadelphia Flyers, certainly, if you talk about maybe biggest underachievers last year they, their name would come mm-hmm. up they just completely fell apart and uh you know they're looking to protect the young goalie that they believe is their future and carter hart and things did not go well for him i think uh they lost niskanen which was a big loss who decided to retire and they needed to strengthen their blue line i think ryan ellis is one of those guys that does it he, he can provide offense but certainly defensively key part of you know what was considered for a long time in nashville a real real one of the deepest, you know, blue line cores with Ekholm, Yossi, Ellis, uh, you know, those guys uh, have been there and been able to, to do it. I think 
certainly Nashville's always been able to bring up good defensemen. They had Weber was a late pick. They had him for years, Ryan Suter. So they're, they're an organization that's known to, to keep bringing up defensemen as they, as they let them go. As you mentioned, they've lost, they lost Suter. They got rid of Weber. Uh, they had Subban, PK Subban. They got rid of him. And, you know, here comes Yossi, Ekholm, Ellis, those type of players. So uh, it's a big ad for the Flyers. I still think uh, it'll be interesting to see what else happens in uh, Philadelphia as they move forward. It's with every team. That's, that's what's exciting about this week and, and the rest of the summer. Yeah, absolutely. So we shift gears just a little bit to, to take a look at some potential players that may end up as Seattle Kraken in a couple of days' time. So some surprising names, some names that were were kind of among the pool of players that I don't think a lot of people expected. I'm going to start with one that, that I was surprised by just in terms of what this player, I think, means to the organization that he plays for. And that's Carey Price being left exposed by the Montreal Canadiens. Price, five years left, $10.5 million is the annual value. Um, we know what Carey Price can do inside of the playoffs. He is a goaltender that, that can find another level. The regular season the last couple of years hasn't necessarily been where, where you'd like it to at that cap hit, but... He's a he's a goaltender with a lot of respect, and, and a lot of players around the league still hold hold him in such high regard. I, were you surprised that the Montreal Canadiens were able to find a way to to go into the the expansion draft, protecting Jake Allen and exposing Carey Price? Well, yeah, I think initial shock. You're like, what? And then you, you think about it, and you know mm-hmm. we've talked about it so much. They're in a flat cap world right now, and. Ten and a half million. It's a lot of money a year wrapped up in one player, especially goaltender who's, you know, considered one of the best in the world for a long time and still is the way his performance he put on this season. They, they don't get to where they did without Carey Price. But, you know, 33 years old, is there still some years there? I believe so. And it's not only ten and a half, you know, for five more years. There's also an $11 million signing bonus due in September. Um, so... Uh, You know, hey, it's not my money, but, uh, you know, if I'm Seattle right now, you're building a team, you're constructing, and I think salary salary cap space right now is at a premium, and it is a valuable economy uh, to have right now. And uh, so if they can have that commodity where they they have that money, the salary cap, I just don't think you spend it on one player. There's rumors that uh, Drieger out of uh, Florida is as close to signing with Seattle. He would be the goalie. but it is certainly intriguing because so okay from hockey standpoint that's why I believe you don't it's just too much money mm-hmm. from an ownership yeah. that's you know, to face your franchise your marketing your jerseys uh, uh, all the money you can make from it that way certainly puts a you know big star uh, right there for Carey Price I think there's other names that could could do it but it's uh, the immediate impact he would have for the organization from certainly from a marketing standpoint is massive. Yeah, and and I think that that's a point well taken in terms of with Seattle. You're trying to also bring in players that you can market. You're you're looking to bring in players that that can really become the face of the franchise. We look at Mark Andre Fleury and and what he uh, what he's meant and what he continues to mean to this Golden Knights organization. Because you go back to that expansion draft, you go back to Mark Andre Fleury walking out onto the stage and the immediate joy that the fan base had to have that player a three-time Stanley Cup champion on your team I think that 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 gives you a little bit something extra and and if you are able to bring in a guy that's won a Hart Trophy that's a a former Vesna Trophy winner uh, maybe you maybe you 
kind of roll the dice on that one a little bit, but I, I feel like this is more uh, Mark Bergevin kind of saying, you know what, Jake Allen, Carey Price, that tandem worked. It got us into the playoffs last year. I I cannot expose Jake Allen at the cap hit that he's at because that's a, a goaltender that if you're looking at Chris Dreger as, as maybe your number one and you're looking for a tandem player, Jake Allen is, is certainly a guy that I think has, has a lot of value for the Seattle Kraken. So maybe this is just a calculated risk by Mark Bergevin to keep his goaltending duo available because of the cap pit that Carey Price has. Yeah, and and I think you're exactly right for Bergevin and, you know, the risk and maybe a calculated move where he says there's no way they'll take that, that cap on. And I don't know, this is, you know, where we all and everybody will try and figure out what Ron Francis is thinking for Seattle, but we never know. Is he is he going to maybe build with more youth and maybe not some of the bigger names up front and think, well, maybe if I have this steady goaltender, can do that. Or am I going to surround it with some, you know, uh, uh, maybe a you know bigger name defensive group and, you know, go with a couple of young goalies that uh, haven't proved themselves but put the people in front that will give them success. It, it's there's, there's so many different scenarios you could look at and how this is going to be constructed by the Kraken, and uh, nobody's really going to know but Ron Francis. But it still is fun to talk about. Now, in terms of, of looking over the list and seeing some of the players that were exposed, were there any names immediately that you looked at that jumped off the page to you? Not really, because it's not an easy decision for teams to make. And I think, you know, a yeah. lot of times, you know, going to the last draft, what happened to teams, they, they lost not one, but a couple of players. Or they tried to make moves to, to save one player, and they end up losing a lot of draft picks. And, and I think this time they just said, okay, you got to be prepared. And, 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 and I think an easier factor for that is, it, I'm going to continually say it, is a lot of these guys carry heavy, heavy cap hits, and this frees up money for, for those teams that maybe left them unprotected, and they're like, all right, well, that gives us a little bit of leeway, and we can move forward. So, you know, you look at a guy like Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne. Like, that's huge money that uh, they're willing for somebody else to take on. You know, Johansson's at eight, $8 million for four more years. He really hasn't done yeah. much for Nashville Predators. Uh, you know, Tarasenko, obviously a big name, seven and a half. I think, you know, that's probably a no-brainer for them to take. Uh, you know, some of the other ones that, you know, Palat, Tampa had, you know, take your pick. You got Stanley <laughs> Cup pred pedigree, a bunch of really good players that uh, are going to be effective. Uh, you know, Gord, Palat, Kalorn, Johnson, uh, you know, mentioned Ross Colton, Matthew Joseph. I don't think they'll be the guys, um, but certainly some good players there and, yeah, there, you go up and down this list. I, certainly, I think Seattle, whatever way they try and want to do this, they're going to be a good team in year one. So the the thing that I find really interesting, and in, just in terms of, of that Vladimir Tarasenko, for instance, like when I look at the St. Louis Blues, there are players that are on that unprotected list that I, I do think could, could come in, like a Vince Dunn. Like I, I like that player. Now, if you're Seattle and you're going into it with Vladimir Tarasenko in mind, are you looking at that simply to flip? Like, you, you, you get the player because you know that he will bring in more assets when you trade him to his eventual final destination, or do you look at that St. Louis, identify a player that you really like, and you say, you know what, as much as extra assets would be great, I, I, this is the player that we've identified that we think makes us better. Yeah, and you make a good point. It, it may not be Tarasenko. It, it's it, and that's you know they, they're going to want to find scoring. You need to find scoring. That's something that's uh, going to look at. It's, you know, defensively they can teach a structure. They could play safe, but you still got to score goals if you want to win games. And I think you know that's what Tarasenko certainly is 
uh, you know, known for his, his ability, you know, five times he's scored 30 or more goals, uh, has gone through a couple of shoulder injuries, which, you know, the reports are out. Everybody needs to see the medical reports before you move on and how healthy he is. Uh, maybe the one guy, if I'm Seattle, I'd look at Gabe Landeskog, who is, they need mm-hmm. to sign him first, but I think that gives you leadership. That gives you a player that does it all. I think he's a guy that's certainly proved both offensively, defensively, physically, leadership, uh, uh, would be a big uh, that's where i'd put my money if i'm playing gm right now uh you know mm-hmm. he, he's a guy like he, there's just a lot of names you know mark giordano there's captain of calgary played just shy of a thousand games with one franchise and you know will he get taken that's certainly you know another guy and it, it's interesting you look at all the names we can go through them as much as you want of course local boy jason zucker uh, you mm-hmm. know, another big name, you know, Nita Ryder, Van Riemsdyk, uh, then, you know, Mike Max Domi to me is for his cap hit. I'm not interested. You know, Jared McCann, yeah. who had a great year in Pittsburgh, Toronto picked him up. So they left him off. That's a guy to me that I think, you know, Ron Francis is going to look at that. That's the guy you try to project. Can, can McCann become, you know, the William Carlson type player that, you know, the Golden Knights were able to look at Columbus and see Carlson, see his type of, player he is and then project him and you know i don't know if he's 40 goal guy but you know even consistently 20 consistent player each and every game so a lot of very intriguing names on this list and uh, whatever way seattle wants to go i think they're gonna it's uh they're gonna have a good team and uh but it's they're, they're building not only for the now they've got to look at the future you know and, and you kind of to the point of seattle being a good team I, this is kind of a a, a way down the road type of question when it comes to next season. But what do you expect based on the fact that, and this is the caveat I'm throwing on it, we, we know that there are zero players right now for the Seattle Kraken um, from at the NHL level. So uh, in looking at the Pacific Division, where do you envision the Kraken kind of fitting in <laughs> with what's already there, right? You've got the California teams, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights on paper look to be the best team in the division. Um, you're going to have Seattle coming in. You're going to have Arizona coming out. Like in terms of this division, how good do you think Seattle can be year one? Again, without knowing see the who team their first. roster is going to be. Yeah, I've got, <laughs> I've got to see the roster first. But I think I, I certainly think they can be competitive. I think every year yeah. you come in, there's surprises. And, uh, you know, we kind of saw that, uh, you know, expansion factor play right out in front of us. Uh, you know, a group of players that, you know, have a chip on their shoulder and play like that. There, there's no better way to, to motivate a player than maybe, you know, leaving off your list and them getting a fresh start, as we talked earlier, for young players, for every player. Talk about a fresh start. You go to a new team. You wanna you wanna be a difference maker. So, um, I, I don't know exactly where you're gonna fit in, but I I fully expect them to be competitive and to compete for a playoff position. And then, just in terms of of Seattle, in we haven't chatted too much about their Ron Francis and and his decision to go with Dave Haxtall as coach. Like, what do you make of that decision? Because I, I think it was one that not many people saw no. coming. But when you start to kind of sit back and think about it, I, I think that it's a, a hire that does certainly make sense for this organization. I was surprised by it. Uh, that uh, you know, I, I didn't didn't see that one coming and you know only time will tell if it's the right decision uh as he comes in and see what he can do he's had you know had a lot of success uh, at collegiate uh not as much at pro uh 
So it's a you know, big task at hand. But certainly I think one thing Seattle's done is they're, they're trying to do things their way. Um, and they're going to have a chance here to assemble a team, an organization, and Haxel's going to have the opportunity to try and take them to where they need to get. So, um, you know, just uh, you know, for initially surprised, but uh, there's there's so many good coaches, and, and when you get to it, uh, you know, everybody's trying to make little subtle changes. But when you look at around the coaching around the league, the systems, it's uh, it's pretty much in-game things you want to change. Everybody comes in with very similar systems and how they want to execute their game plan. And then it's a matter of, uh, you know, making tweaks as you go along to try and have that edge. Shane Knighty, my co-host for our number one, we have broken down the Golden Knights, their recent trades the last couple of days, as well as the Seattle Kraken, some of the players available to Seattle. It doesn't really, you look at some of these players, you look at the impact that these players can have. It certainly looks like Ron Francis has his work cut out to to get the right team, the team that he wants on the ice, but there's a lot of really good players out there. We are back to wrap up our number one when we come back on the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Wrapping up our number one. Again, thanks to Shane Knighty for joining me, our number one special guest co-host. We covered a lot of ground, talked a lot about the Golden Knights and their trades over the course of of the last couple of days prior to the roster freeze heading into the expansion draft for the Seattle crack. And we also talked about some players that are exposed that are available for the Seattle Kraken. some surprises, some not the strategy there is pretty simple. You've got big contracts in a flat cap world. You are looking for cap space any way you can get it, but kind of an interesting question that, 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 kind of popped into my mind as we were chatting and we're going to leave on this one. And now we're number one. The, the three California teams, San Jose, L.A., Anaheim, the last couple of years, they've not been particularly good within the Pacific Division, not last year the Honda West Division. In terms of where you have these three teams, Shane, which one do you feel is kind of primed and ready to take that step and become a team that's challenging for a playoff spot? Uh, how do you see that shaking out with the three California teams? Well, they're, they're kind of a different transit. You see the, the Kings, the Ducks, you know, they're kind of... The Ducks maybe more have done the overload into complete youth than, than you, know, you know. The Kings still have Kopitar and Brown. Yeah. Uh, quick, you know, San Jose is just... Uh, they have they have a lot of cap issues there. Weighted down, big salaries, Carlson, Burns. There's not enough pucks for the two of them on the power play. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, you know, San Jose, I just think, is in a real tough spot. They're trying to, to revamp without uh, completely changing. But, you know, they may be better early on, but I think the teams that are going to turn it around, I think the, the Kings, I, I like a lot of what they've done there. Uh, I think Todd McClellan's done a real good job. Uh, I think, mm-hmm. the, you know, that might be the team that, that moves forward first. Anaheim certainly has a lot of young talent. Uh, in their organization, but uh, no, I would. I I think the LA Kings would be the team that, uh, to me, I see turning around quick. I think they've done a, a real good job in what they've been able to acquire. They got a good young goalie, uh, Cal Pedersen. We saw what he was able to do. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, Kopitar to me, I still I'll take him any day in my team. I just think you know, leadership wise, what he's been able to do. They got Dowdy. 
Um, you know, Dustin Brown, we thought would move on, but he, you know, those guys uh, kind of who are left from those two cups, uh, those guys still have a lot of, seem to have some gas left in the tank. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'll go with the Kings right now. We'll see. I could be wrong. Who do you think of those three teams that you going to turn it around? For, for me, I, I, I look at the Kings as being the team that I think is, is kind of the furthest along, it, just in terms of their mix between veteran veteran players that have that have been there that know what it takes to win drew Doughty, Andre kopitar and then you've also got some some youth i i expect quinton byfield uh to come in and be a, a big part of what goes right for the kings i think todd McCle- mcclellan is a really good hockey coach and i just think if there's a team that that is ready to kind of take that next step to me it's LA. There's question marks for me with the Anaheim Ducks, and, and I don't think the San Jose Sharks are particularly close. Uh, to the last one here before we let you get out of here, I, I, I also want to get your thoughts on Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver, the, the three teams in Canada and the Pacific Division that um, you know are going to be competing against the Golden Knights yeah. next year. Um, where do you, like, what's your read on those three teams going into next season? Well, I think Vancouver, we saw what they did in the bubble, and I thought everybody expected them to kind of leap forward last year, kind of took a step back. Uh, I expect some changes there, but they've got some real real good young talent. Uh, the Flames, I don't know what to make of them. Uh, you look at this mm-hmm. team and just they, they can't seem to get it right. And, uh, you know, I think goaltending's uh, you know, a big question mark there and in Edmonton uh, for both those teams. But the Oilers, you just you can't deny that, you know, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, that they have going there. I know they've added Duncan Keith, uh, but it's not Duncan Keith 2012 or 2013, 15, 16. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, this has been a few years, but I still think he'll be able to help them. Um, yeah, I think it's it's going to be fun to play them. I think it's always good when you can bring, uh, you know, certainly, you know, the Oilers come. It gives everybody a chance to see, you know, to me the best player in the world in Connor McDavid play hockey is it's one guy – I, that could probably bring me out of my seat just with what he's been able to do. And it's the one guy that makes me happy that I'm out of the game. It's just too fast, <laughs> you know, man. It's too fast. It, it doesn't even seem real. Like it, watching him on TV, watching him live especially, it just doesn't seem like he should be able to move that quickly and make plays that quickly, but yet he does. Hey, Shane, I, I really appreciate you sitting in for the hour. I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much. Thanks to Sage Salmons also for setting this up. And uh, hopefully uh, we can reconnect either before we take hiatus or once we get back going for training camp. But it was a pleasure. Thank you again. No problem. Thanks for having me. And I hope uh, Darren Millard gets back from his vacation in Hawaii soon. (laughs) That's fantastic. Shane Knighty finishing Darren Millard off. That's beautiful. I love it. And we are rolling along here hour number two we're going to get to a little game with chris chapman called 